From what's on to what matters, it's Newcastle in the Morning, only on Newcastle Live. Yeah, good day. It's uh, 17 past 11 here in Newcastle. I'm Murder Mac, taking you through till midday. And uh, yeah, we've been talking a uh, whole range of things, a bit, bit of nostalgia around at the moment. We uh, were mentioning the, the five habits that the internet got rid of, um, and one of them was uh, basically um, appointment TV. But there's a lot of things that uh, when you start getting nostalgic, there was a time when you went to the pub um, and you would go in, there'd be a couple of um, taps available, you had black or you had new, and that was basically the choice. Uh, but now when you go at the pub, often you're faced with uh, an absolute array of taps covering all sorts of different types of beers. Um, and it's difficult sometimes. We've seen the market and the hunter certainly explode for uh, specialist boutique craft beers. So what's driving the change? What's behind it all? Well, I thought it worth asking local brewer and international beer judge, Lachlan McBean. Uh, he's the operator and the brewer at Grainfed Brewing and joins me now. G'day, Loch. G'day, Murder. How are you going? I'm going well. Good. Um, craft beer, it's, uh, it's certainly taken over now. How does... Uh, how does that happen? Um, oh, look, I think um, over a, lot, a period of time, the the, the, the punters have just uh, wanted something a bit different, um, bit, but something with a bit more flavour. And also they want to know where their beer comes from and they can meet with the brewer um, and know where the, where the, where the beer is made and, and what it's made from. Um, and, and probably the story around that as well. I think people like the story about um, small brewers, how they started, how they got into it. And um, they lo- I think I think Australians and particularly Navicastrians like to back a back an underdog. So I think people are willing to give people a chance. So I think that's how, sort of how it started, and it's just gone nuts, particularly in the last five years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, as as you say, locally we've uh, seen a number of small brewers um, set up. Uh, sort of uh, brew pubs um, and they seem to be uh, very popular is it because you know the the large pubs have uh, really sort of given up on that uh, sort of turf they're not necessarily uh, exploring the the varieties that are out there uh, well I think I oh, look the, look the brew pub um, model really probably started in America 35 years ago um, and it took a while for Australians to adopt, adapt, adapt to it, probably because of the cost of entry into the market. So ingredients, uh, sorry, the, the equipment was very expensive at the time. Obviously, um, councils uh, and red tape have made it very, very hard. In the last five to eight years, some of the councils and the governments have made that a little bit easier. Um, having just gone through it, I don't know <laughs> that's necessary. But anyway, we'll, that's another story for another day. But um, I think... Um, what the brew pub offers is again uh, the beers made on site. They can see the equipment where it's made. They can talk to the brewer over the bar or out on the floor. Um, the the freshness of the beer is is um, paramount, and that's the beers going from tank to a keg or sometimes even tank straight to a tap. And people love that. Again, they love that, and they're probably a little bit more intimate. There's no poker machines. There's no there's no gaming. There's no um, you know, it, it attracts a different style of person, and often families can go there. People can bring their dogs, and it's become yeah. a, a local. I, I sort of liken it to, particularly in Australia, we've lost the community hall in in a suburb or yeah. in a region, and I think sort of brew pubs of taking up 
that that um, space whereas people can come and meet local people can come meet they can bring their friends from out of town and they can show it off and also it, it becomes a space where people can come and reconnect with each other particularly now after covid uh, reconnect with each other and the fact that it's you know it's got beers made on site and also a little bit of food generally that that to me is is um w- why they're becoming popular yeah yeah and i think yeah you're, you're hit on a, a topic there that a lot of people have talked about is that third space the idea that you had you know, was your workspace there was the home space but there used to be that third space yeah. which was uh, where you would go to socialise, and frequently it was the pub. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they've become an ascent, and to some extent, it is the the growth of those large operations. People kind of yes, they know there's a certain uh, standard approach. It's commercial. It's whatever. But whereas they feel a certain intimacy with uh, uh, a brew pub too. Yeah, oh, definitely, and I think. Um I mean, really, it, it, you're right. It has taken up that uh, that third space, but at the same time, it's probably and the message that a lot of brewers are giving is uh, drink better, but drink less. So you know, instead of going to the pub and having ten ten um, mainstream lagers and drinking them and getting absolutely sloshed, you know, you come into a brew pub, you might drink two or three different beers in a, in a go, and then and then go home or whatever, or you can have a tasting paddle and try the different beers, or and that was it. And often there's a new beer made, so. Um, people come in regularly. They go, well, there's a new beer on, so I better try that. So, now you also experienced because uh, you've travelled the world uh, judging internationally. Yep. Uh, you've been to the US, New Zealand. Yep. Um, how does Australia's uh, range and diversity compare with those other countries? Um, I think, <clears throat> look, uh, pale ales and uh, at the moment hazy pale ales and, and um, hazy IPAs are. Very front of centre, um, and that, that's changed, that's in America as well. Um, I think New Zealand's probably got a bit more diversity of styles and flavours than we do. Um, so for example, I was speaking to a friend in um, Melbourne last week when I was judging down there, and she was saying that German Hefeweizens and Belgian Wit beers go very well down there. She's from Nelson, and I said, "Well, you can't give them away in this country; it's bizarre." So if you if you mention wheat, the word wheat, besides at Oktoberfest time this time of year, no one drinks wheat beers. So. Um, look, ho- hopefully um, we can get a bit more variation of style because really, you know, pale ales in their form, whether it be West Coast pale ales, West Coast IPAs or, you know, hazy pale ales or hazy IPAs, they are probably 50% of the market, which, you know, I said to a, a customer the other day, I said, you've got, he had, he's a, a growler station where you go and fill up a, a two-litre flag and, um, in the um, bottle shop and he, all he had was pale ales. I said you've got eight taps and you've got all pale ales. I said we've come full circle over like 35 years ago the whole craft thing started as a, re- as a reaction to a mainstream lager because one style of beer was 90% of the, yeah. of the world's beer and it probably still is um, and now we've come full circle where we just got eight pale ales on I said what's you know what's, he said oh that's all the people want I said but if you give them something different yeah. How do they know they don't want that, you know? And that's the point, is you've got to be willing to, and that's the difficulty, you've got to be willing to put up with a bit of pain from the perspective of the uh, the publican or the uh, the provider yeah. because you have to encourage people to try these other types. Yeah. Um, but there's, you know, once again, the, the, the range of beers on offer in a lot of pubs, you go in, there's 20 different taps. Yeah. Um, but the, the products that they're using, it's not just, you know, sort of hops and barley. It's uh, a yeah. whole range of things now coming in. What's the, what are the popular th- uh, options now? Um, look, 
again, with that hazy pale IPA category, people are putting lactose in it, so lactose powder to sweeten them up, and also then they're putting in fruit as well, so man- mango and, um, and and the juice, so they, they, call, they say that they're, they're juicy pale ales, so juicy IPA, so they're doing a bit of that. Um, but then, look, I've had some really good, I had a really good sour with some raspberry in it um, from a company in Sydney, really refreshing, um, 3.8%. So... Um, and obviously, fruit gives colour, and, and colour actually attracts people to to a beer. So, that those that style, particularly sours, is probably opening up the market to a bit wider audience. In fact, the people people always say, oh, "I don't like beer," but then they have a sour, and it's it's actually tart and refreshing. Um, so that that that's another style that's sort of starting to come through. Um, so sours and, and and hazy pale ales and stuff are, are pretty. I had a pub, public concern to me that I any because I'm putting a brewery together now. So he said, "Whatever you do." If you've got any hazies or any sours, just let me know and I'll take them. That, that was his words to me. So okay. he said they just go nuts. So there, there's definitely demand there. And I, as you say, I think that they've gradually educated the palate yeah. um, of, the, um, of their uh, customers to try and encourage them to take different types. Yep. Um, now, you're in the process of uh, developing uh, your own brew pub. Yep. Uh, that, uh, as you said, has uh, had its own challenges along the way. Definitely. Um, but uh, the opportunity, I guess, is to provide that experience, which is yep. going to be more intimate. Um, how do you, I mean, is the, are, what's the saturation point, or is there a saturation point? Are they really going to be more like the, the old local that used to be at the end of a street? Look, it, excuse me, it, it depends. Um, I think, you, so I'll be the, even though I've, my brand's been going since 2012. And we're talking grain-fed here. Grain-fed, yeah. Grain-fed's been going since 2012, but I've been using other people's breweries and looking for a space in, the, in that time, and I found it a couple of years, oh, 18 months ago, so, and working to get through that. But um, I'm going, look, so it'll mainly, it'll, sole purpose is to make my own beer on site um, in Newcastle, so I'll be over at Lambton, and then also we'll, we'll have some space to um, open up to the public. So I think the, the, the reason for that is that people can then come on site and have that, and have that experience and have, have the, and see and speak to me, the brewer, yeah. um, over the bar and, and, and see how that's, that's come about. But it's, um, it's been a journey. I can imagine. And once again, all these, um, all this growth within this area, it is actually being driven by demand. It's not yep. a case of, uh, you know, uh, build it, they will come. It's actually people are saying, we want this. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, the experience, uh, which is, as I said, completely different. Uh, so, sorry, Matt, I, I lost my train of thought there. So back to, back to the question about saturation points. So I think Newcastle, um, I'll be the eighth physical brewery, but the way that, that, that they've developed in Newcastle, they seem to be a little bit more spread out than, say, Sydney in Brookvale or Marrickville, where there's uh, 15 breweries in Marrickville and there's six or seven now in, Brook, in the Brookvale area. So I, I think, so where I'm putting mine is, um, in, you know, in its own suburb. I, th- I, th- I think that's probably the best way for Newcastle to go is actually each, each suburb or each area has its own brew pub, so then that can service that area. Um, so obviously you've got Foghorn in the city, you've got uh, Method have just started up in, in um, the Wickham end of Islington, um, Shout are putting one in Islington down near the in Clyde Street, um, there's one in Rogue Scholar in the city, so I think they're sort of starting to spread out, so I'll be the furthest west, and I imagine 
um, in the next two to three years, you know, there'll be other brew pubs going, you know, so maybe Lake Macquarie or um, Charlestown or somewhere like, you know, I think that that's, to me, that's probably the best the best way because that way we can service a, an area um, and then there can be a little bit of a trail around in and around Newcastle and, and Lake Macquarie. And that, that might actually be a, a real feature in the future, that sort of... Um um, hospitality available. We wouldn't call Tourism. it. Uh, we wouldn't yeah. call it a pub crawl, but no. yeah, you'd call it a, a beer trail, or yep. a brew trail. Yeah. Um, are those things which have uh, which have worked overseas? As I said, we seem to be a little bit behind somewhere like the the US and Canada as well. Yeah. Um, look, there's. Um, I was just down the south coast um, on holidays at the start of the year and. They've got a lot of breweries sort of very spread out, obviously, amongst them from Wollongong all the way down to Naruma now. So they've got a thing called the South Coast Ale Trail. So um, uh, Brisbane, for example, has got 25 breweries now, so the same sort of deal. And there's companies, bus companies or tourist tourist companies that that's that's their thing. They hop on beer tours and they, you get on and you just go from venue to venue. So I think and it's happening out in the valley as well. There's, I think there's about six or seven breweries out in the Hunter Valley spread out over the valley. So that's already happening and they 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 tack onto the end of wine tours or part part thereof of the wine tours as well so i definitely think it's a it's a big tourism draw card because beer tourism is a, is a thing well yeah and uh, i think that uh, maybe that's one of the you could barely say there were many advantages of covid but it may have been that it's uh, encouraged people to look more inwardly to their own community to the things that they can do there the sort of tourism and events uh, it certainly created a greater focus on what's available on your doorstep rather than yeah. hopping on a plane and flying off to find it yeah yeah for sure and and i think the other thing with with, with breweries and brew pubs is also is that the whole local thing. Um, I mean, I've been my I've trademarked think local, drink local in two thousand and ten or thirteen or something, and then during COVID and post COVID, it was all about that. And I was saying I've been I've been saying this for eight or nine years, so it was great that people have um, adopted that, and it seems to have dropped off a little bit since things have got back to back to normalish. But look, hopefully, people um, can can adopt that and take that on board because essentially, you know, we're small. You know, in my case, self-funded local businesses um, uh, that are in that the money that comes into our businesses gets spent back in our community, so the Newcastle community. Um, so, whereas if you're buying off of one of the big boys, um, they're both owned by Japanese companies. So, essentially, the profit and, and the money, obviously, while some of it stays in Australia to pay people and and for jobs and all the rest of it, it it does go back to Japan. So. Yeah, and a lot so, of people don't know that. No, and it, and that's one of the thing, one of the I won't say tragedies, but it's certainly one of the issues because uh, all of the local um, brewers who used to be sort of synonymous with regions like CUB and uh, Melbourne yeah. and so forth, uh, Tui's in New, uh, New South Wales, those are now uh, foreign brands that own yeah. them. Uh, but okay, let's let's finish on a high. Uh, yep. We're uh, We've got wet weather. We've got you know summer coming up. Yep. Uh, what in in temperatures and climate like this? What's a good beer to enjoy? Um, well, I've got well, we do a dark ale called Cole Porter because um, we we're the biggest Cole Port in the world. So I just thought it was a dark beer and Porter's <laughs> a, cold, a beer, dark it's beer a style. Good, good gimmick. So yeah. um, um, that goes four point seven percent. So it's a dark ale with a bit of flavour and. Um, bit of hop character so that always goes well it's, it's a year-round beer for, for me for, for, for grain fed uh another red ale so i mean this sort of hotter hotter sort of um more 
cooler, rainier weather, sort of darks and ambers seem to go pretty well. Um, and then coming into summertime, and who knows what summer's going to be like. They're predicting wet and miserable like last summer, but we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, like su- summer ales and, and um, pale ales are obviously very good for that sort of weather as well. Yeah, we'd, um, actually the, the person who normally presents the program here, Tracy McGillicott, she's across in the UK at the moment. She was heading up to Manchester. Um, and uh, we'll catch up with her tomorrow, in fact, uh, see, see how that trip went. But uh, I spent a year in Manchester, and around that region, they've got Theakston's, uh, Old Peculiar, yeah. um, that Yorkshire, yeah. uh, Lancashire. Um, Land, Timothy Taylor, landlord, that's classic. Yeah, classic and, yeah. and uh, Tetley's. Yeah. Uh, but they're all really dark, yeah. um, bitters. Yeah, bitters, yeah. Now, it's, a, it's a copper-coloured, yeah. Yeah, and that, that bitter uh, obviously is very much synonymous with England and uh, the South there. Yeah. Is this the climate for a bitter? Um, oh, look, maybe English beers don't tend to go that well in Australia and hand-pumped particularly don't seem to sell. And that's a very specialised niche market. Yeah. But, um, look, I think that's – I mean, those bitters are really just a lower alcohol pale ale um, and and pale ales, American pale ales and, and British pale ales and obviously Australian pale ales have come from them, but um, they're generally sort of three point eight four percent alcohol, so the lower, obviously drunk by the Imperial Pint, which is nearly six hundred mils of beer yeah. um, each time. So they're they're really beers to have sessions on. And I've, when I when I worked and lived in the UK, I, I did that myself. But um, and that's really where I discovered as a young as a young person. Beer, different beer that was different to Australian lager. So they call obviously we've got bitter, beers that are called bitter in Australia, but they're actually not really bitter. They're just Australian lagers. Right, right. Now, well, uh, I, I left the UK just about the same time that uh, Foster's made its inroads over there. Yeah. Uh, up till then, uh, a lot of the uh, the UK brewers were not actually being challenged by the likes of Carlsberg, yep. which had moved in and really was dominating that lager yep. market. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. Well, because well, there, I mean, look, lager is uh, lager style of lager beer is still ninety percent of what the world drinks. Okay. So. Um, so that would be the American stuff like Budweiser. Well, that's a lager, yeah. I mean, Heineken, Carlsberg, all those international beers, Peroni's a lager, Victoria Bitter's a lager, Tui's News a lager. So, um, and funnily enough, lager was a dirty word in the craft um, world. And, and now there's a lot of breweries, and I'll be making them because I used to work with Blue Tongue. So I was there. You had, I made lager five five years in a row, every day of the week. Yeah. So I'm going to make some lagers over um, at our brewery as well. So because they're accessible and and look, there's nothing and they're very hard as a brewer. They're very hard to make um, because there's nowhere to hide, there's nowhere to hide faults no. um, or flavour imperfections. So you've got to really nail it. But um, lagers are sort of coming back in the, in that space as well. Probably not so much on off-premise in cans or bottles but um on-premise in in venues a lot of brewery small breweries now have have a lager in their mix excellent um well look fantastic <coughs> to get a bit of a guided tour of uh, the craft brewing uh, industry uh, yeah, no problem uh the, the the threats the challenges and uh, the opportunities as well certainly here in newcastle yep. um a growing area look thanks uh, for having me not a problem lachlan mcbean uh, chief executive officer and head brewer at uh, grain fed brewing and uh, yeah yep. look uh, loch makes uh, great beer uh, and he also occasionally turns his hand to 
uh, song as well. Um, and he's uh, he he often hangs out and uh, sings this one, which is um, how you go about actually making gravy. Mm-hmm. 